morning. We're continuing on this morning in our series. Looks like that was me. Looking at the topic of the Holy Spirit. And if you turn your Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 7. And really what we want to do this morning is look at how, um, well, the Holy Spirit in Acts does a lot of things, but there seems to be three main uh, rules that the Holy Spirit we see throughout the book of Acts. And he does signs and wonders. He guides God's people as a explores this new church idea and he also supplies courage and that's the one I want to focus on this morning how the Holy Spirit empowers and supplies his people with courage and we're going to look in Acts chapter 7 and there's lots of places we could turn to but Acts 7 and verse 54 is where we want to start Acts 7, verse 54. And this is uh, Stephen. Stephen was one of the deacons that were chosen in chapter 6 to free up the apostles, the 12, uh, and, and to, to serve to serve the church. But Stephen is a man full of the Holy Spirit, and he is uh, speaking and doing signs and wonders through the Holy Spirit. And the, the religious leaders don't, don't like it, don't like him, and they seize him. And Stephen gives a speech, which takes up most of chapter 7. And But by the end of the speech, they've heard enough. And they grab Stephen, and they, they take him, and they're going to stone him. So verse 54 picks up Stephen in really the last moments of his life. This is God's word. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit... Look up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of their killing him. Let's pray one more time. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for men like Stephen that we read of in your word. Men full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. And we pray this morning, Lord, that, that you would give us, uh, increase our faith and give us more of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we know that Stephen was, was, was a, a real man, real flesh and bone, and he trusted in you. We pray, Lord, that you would grow, grow us and, and, into being more like, like Stephen, being more like Jesus, to be courageous uh, in, in our faith, trusting our lying upon the Holy Spirit. So we pray for the help of your spirit now, and that Jesus would be honoured as, as we speak and as we listen and as we respond. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So that's what I want to look at this morning. Courage in action, the Holy Spirit in acts, and in particular in the, the passage that, that we've just looked at. I wonder if you've ever had this experience. I'm sure I, I have many times. You're, you're speaking to someone, and the person's not a, not a Christian, and... The way the conversation goes, a little window comes up and you realise 
I could say something here. I could drop in something about the Christian faith, or I could say something about Jesus, or I could point to them to the Bible in, in some way, maybe even just in, in a small way. And you see this window of opportunity open up before you, and it's there like, a, like an open goal. And two, one of two things normally happens to me, or sometimes, often happens to me. One is I start thinking of what am I going to say, and I start overthinking it, and then by the time I've thought of what I'm going to say, the moment's passed, and we're beyond it. Or usually you're often like lying in bed that night, I'll think of, that's what I should have said, of the perfect thing to say, but the moment's gone. Or uh, maybe in my better moments, or slightly better moments, I think of something to say, and I think I could just drop this in, a sentence or something that would be apt right for this person at that moment. It would be wise, and it would be gentle, it would be appropriate. It might really help this person, and it's there before me like an open goal. And then... I lack the courage. And again, the moment slips past. And for fear of sounding stupid, or for fear of the person thinking less of me, or for fear of what they might say, the moment goes. And I failed in my, in my courage. Uh, I heard, I think it was just this morning or last night, our, our, ki- our kids talking about Scaredy Cat. And I don't know where, where they picked it up, but they've obviously, I, I thought they were making fun of each other, but they've obviously thought that Scaredy Cat is a real character from a book or something. And I heard we look saying to Bethany, I'll be Scaredy Cat, I'll be Scaredy Cat, you be Scaredy Cat's mum. So Scaredy Cat's a, a character in, in our house now, but it's a character that oftentimes I, I am. I don't have the, the courage. But where does Christian courage come from? Where, where do we find it? And I think what happens in, in those moments whenever I know I can say or do something to make Jesus known, which is what we should, should be about, in those moments, whenever I lack the courage, what happens is, to me in those moments, Jesus, my, my Saviour, my Lord, appears to me in those moments small. And the people, the fear of the people around me, their, their opinion or my reputation or whatever it is, all of a sudden seems so big. And my fears are, are huge and the people around me are seem so big and Jesus seems so small. And in those moments, even insignificant. And for, for Stephen and for people, real people today, there are moments in their life where they have to face real publicly, are you going to deny or are you going to confess Jesus? And it's literally a matter of life or death. For us, often, uh, for, we, we aren't going to experience that public life or death moment. But there can just be lots and lots of little moments throughout, throughout our day, throughout our weeks, throughout our, throughout our lives. Thousands of little moments where we have to choose. Am I going to confess Jesus? Maybe, it's, maybe it is in, in overtly in evangelism. Maybe it's just in our growth and our walk in, in godliness. Am I going to choose Jesus? Or am I going to choose myself? Am I going to choose Jesus or am I going to choose reputation or, or comfort or, or something else? And listen, so for some people it's a big public moment, but for us, and I think Satan is so cunning and, and wily in how he attacks us, he attacks us through comfort. And gradually over time we can choose, we repeatedly choose ourselves. And if we always choose ourselves, Jesus appears smaller and smaller and smaller. And maybe one day you'll find yourself, Jesus seems, seems so small. You forget why you're even following him in the first place. So how is it that we, we, that we can see the, the real Jesus? That Jesus appears and, and is big enough to us, worthy enough to us, 
of following, even whenever it costs us, even whenever it means being courageous. And we see in in Stephen, if you look back in chapter 6, verse 5, we see that Stephen is chosen to be one of the, the deacons, just the way we are choosing deacons now. And it says, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. So he was a man who full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Stephen, this experience, this moment, at the end of chapter 7, at his death, and the Holy Spirit fills him and shows him Jesus, it's probably, I imagine, a more dramatic moment than he ever experienced in, the, in, in his life prior to this. But in a way, it's not abnormal for him. Because he was full of the Spirit, always. And this dr- dramatic moment at the end of, the li- of his life is just the Spirit giving him more, more of what he already had. He's a man who, who, who's trusting and relying in the Holy Spirit. And you see in verse 8 of chapter 6, it says, Again, a man full of God's grace and power performed great wonders and signs among the people. He was full of, 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 of the Spirit of God. And here we see him on, on trial. And what is it the Spirit does to, to, to Stephen? To sustain him through this incredibly difficult moment, the, the last moments of his life. And it's really quite simple. Oh, he's, oh this, sorry, this is in, in Acts. You see this, this, um, this dynamic of persecution. So the religious leader is trying to persecute and suppress the church but then it always comes with growth. So as it, the more the people try to suppress or put the church down, the church grows. And it comes through, while the church are hard-pressed, they turn to God, God supplies them with more of his spirit, and then they, they actually grow. And it's counterintuitive, it's counter-cultural. Uh, the more the people try to stop them, the more they, they grow. But how is it that they do it? And really, this is all I really want to say this morning. And if the only thing you remember is this, this phrase, the Spirit shows us Jesus. How does the Spirit supply us to stay in Stephen through this one? How does he give him courage? He does it by showing him Jesus. Look at what, look at what happens in chapter 7. At the end of chapter 7. So there they are, they're grabbing Stephen, they're furious. So you can imagine he's just surrounded by this mob of angry raging men who in that moment want to put Stephen to death. This is Stephen's experienced something similar to what Jesus experienced a trial. Um, and remember the, 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 in, Steve, in Jesus' trial the Jews were convinced that they wanted the Romans to put Jesus to death. So they go through it all and they, they, eventually they want uh, the, the, the Romans to do it. Here in Stephen's trial maybe they've become emboldened by Jesus dying and being put to death. But in this moment, so chapter 7 is going through the motions like Jesus did. It's a trial. But then, if you look in verse 51 of chapter 7, Stephen says to them, You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. And so Stephen, courageous, bold, speaks directly to the people. And then... It all breaks down. The trial all breaks down. And it goes from being some sort of process to being a mob, an angry mob, breaks out. And so we see Stephen here, surrounded by this angry mob. They're picking up stones to stone. And what does the Spirit do? What does the Spirit realise that Stephen needs more than anything in this moment to give him courage? 
Stephen looking up to heaven, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. What Stephen needed in that moment was to see more of Jesus, to know more of who Jesus is. And that is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit shows us Jesus. And I'm not making it up from just this passage. This is what Jesus said himself. In the book of John, before Jesus leaves the disciples, he tells them, he says, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. The Holy Spirit's role in in the Trinity and the Godhead is to point us to see Jesus. If you like the Holy Spirit, if you like, is a a floodlight that beams the light down onto onto the pitch, revealing the Holy Spirit is a floodlight pointing us, revealing us Jesus. Again, Jesus said, he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. The Holy Spirit is all about making Jesus known, about making us see more and appreciate more the depths and the beauty of Jesus. And of course, there are times in the Bible where we, we read and we hear about the Holy Spirit. We can even pray to the, to the Holy Spirit. Um, but the Holy Spirit, if we truly are filled with the Holy Spirit, we won't always be talking about the Holy Spirit. If we're filled with the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit will be doing in our lives will be pointing us not just to, to, to the Spirit himself, but will pointing us more and more to Jesus. So a Spirit-filled life, a Spirit-filled person is a person who is obsessed with and sees Jesus. That's how. You, that's how. That's, that's what. I, so there sometimes there are movements or, or places where they talk an awful lot about the Holy Spirit, but it always, always seems to be more about the the signs and the wonders and the, the miracles of the Holy Spirit, which perhaps have their place. But if what we're looking to the Holy Spirit for is just signs and wonders and the miraculous and the strange and the novel, well, then that's not really what the Holy Spirit is about. The Holy Spirit is about showing us Jesus. The Holy Spirit is about Jesus. And look look at what he shows uh, Stephen. He says, I saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. So the Spirit points us to Jesus. And we see that Jesus is standing. I think this is the only, or one of the only instances, whenever it talks about Jesus in heaven, it nearly always talks about Jesus at the right hand of the Father, and what's he doing? He's always sitting, but here in this moment he's standing. And the commentators make a big, a big uh, deal out of this and talk about wh- why does it say standing? Uh, and there are two possibilities, both of which are probably right. That Jesus is standing. Standing was the place of judgment. Uh, you know, it was in Psalm one, stand in, in the judgment. St- uh, so Jesus is, is, is showing Stephen. The Spirit is showing Stephen, Jesus is in charge here. Jesus is the one who is ruling. Jesus is the one in control. And the men with their stones about to stone Jesus, Jesus is the one ruling and reigning, even over them. Jesus is the one who is ruling and reigning over Stephen's life. He's the one who is ruling and reigning over Stephen's death. The Spirit shows Stephen that Jesus is in charge. Jesus is the one who is in control. And so often when we, when we live our lives 21st century 
if we never go to, to God's word, we never go to what, what God says, we never go to the Spirit, it can so often seem, well, we're not in, in, in immediate danger like Stephen, but it can seem like the world is in, in control. It can seem like the, like the, the, the church is losing. It can seem like we are being defeated. And if we look just through the, the lens of, of the world, that's the, the narrative that we're being told, or the, the church that's for yesterday, and the church is, is dying out, and Jesus is out of date. And so we need to go back to, to the Spirit and get a vision from the Spirit to, to remind ourselves of who Jesus is, where Jesus is. That for, for thousands of years, people have tried to stamp out the church and, and, and wipe us out. And at many times, people have thought that they've succeeded. And yet Jesus, for 2,000 years, he's been building his church. The gates of hell have not and will not prevail against him. And so the Spirit, we need to see with, with the eyes of the Spirit, to see that Jesus is the one who is ruling. Jesus is the one who is reigning. Even at times when it looks like we are being defeated. Think of an Acts the small group of, of men. They'd grown by the stage, but comparatively, Jesus had told them, go to all nations, make disciples of, of all nations. And this tiny band of, of, of men and women in Jerusalem it seemed madness. How can these people possibly go out and reach all nations with the gospel? It seemed madness. But Jesus is showing them he is the one who's in charge. He is the one who's in control. And he's the same Jesus who's in charge. And he is the same Jesus who's in control today. We need to see more of him. So he's standing in judgment. But also he's standing ready to receive Stephen. He's standing there for Stephen. At the end of Stephen's time, the end of his life, he is there ready to receive him. To bring him into heaven. Jesus is there with him, even in his darkest and his lowest moment. And that's the same Jesus that the Spirit shows us today. The same Jesus in our darkest moments, in our, 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 those moments when we are afraid and want to flee. Jesus is standing with us in our persecution. Remember in a couple of chapters, whenever Saul on the road to Damascus, and he gets a vision from Jesus... What, is, what does Jesus say to Saul? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting? You think he's going to say, why are you persecuting the church? Why are you persecuting my people? Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? In our, in our, in our hurt, in our persecutions, which might be micro-persecutions for, for us, might be small things, but, but when we are afraid, when we are hurt, Jesus is standing with us. He is with us. So the Spirit points us and shows us, uh, Spirit shows us Jesus. And what, what does that mean? What does that look like? How does that change how we live our lives? Uh, well, it means that we trust him. It means that we're going to trust him. Stephen, verse 59, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So Stephen, moment in his last moments, how is he going to react? Is he going to go out kicking and screaming? No, he's like Jesus. He submits himself and he says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He entrusts himself to Jesus. He sees the bigger picture. He sees that Jesus is in control. In the middle of chaos and violence, even death, Stephen sees Jesus and is able to trust and rest in him. And it isn't because Stephen is is brave necessarily 
It's not because he's brave or more courageous than anyone else. It's just that he's seen reality. He's seen what's really going on here. He's seen who's really in charge. He's seen the stakes, if you like. If you imagine a, a, a soldier about to go into battle, and he's in a, in, a, in, a, in a battle, and he looks across the battlefield, he sees the enemy, and he's terrified. And he thinks about this battle, and thinks about what's at stake, and he sort of counts up the odds and calculates, and he thinks, you know what, actually, I'm not really up for this. I'm terrified of the enemy, and I don't really want to give my life for this battle. And so as the battle's about to, to commence, he slips away off and, and walks off, and he's going to just walk home. And you imagine he walks up a hill to get away from the battle, and he turns around and has one last look at what's going on. And he looks down, and he sees the, the enemy, and he sees his countrymen, his brothers, fighting in battle. And all of a sudden, he sees what's at stake. And he sees the enemy who, who, who could destroy his, his, his home and destroy his country. And he sees his brothers, and they're, they're fighting, and they're giving their lives. And all of a sudden, he realizes how important, how vital this battle is. This is about more than him. This is about more than just his life. And so he walks down, back down the, the, the hill and picks up a sword and walks back into battle because he's seen the stakes. And I feel like that's what the Holy Spirit is doing for, for Stephen. He's showing him what's at stake. He's showing him who's in charge. He's, he's showing him that he needs to, 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 and he can, trust in Jesus. Stephen is able to put his trust in Jesus. And then, finally, we're, we're nearly done. The Spirit shows us Jesus so that we can trust in him, submit to him. But the Spirit also shows us Jesus so that we can love others. He says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then, verse 60, he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. So his, his, his dying breath, he's able to speak out for the very men who, who are putting him to death and say, Lord Jesus, do not hold this sin against them. Stephen is able to, to love the very people who are putting him to death. And again, how, how does someone get to that place where the very people who hate them, persecute them, Imagine someone in your in your work or someone in your life who really doesn't like you and maybe even has given you grief for being a Christian. Imagine them doing something really terrible to you. Are we able would be able to in that place be able to say in that moment, Lord forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And how is Stephen able to do that? Well I think again because he's been to the top of that hill and he's seen what's at stake. And he has seen that actually the, per- the people who are in greatest need in that moment is not Stephen. Stephen's about, his life's about to end. But where's he going? He's got Jesus ready to receive him. He's going straight to his Lord. And life's going to be so much better for him in a few moments than it's ever been. But these men holding the stones, and yeah, okay, they, they hate Stephen. But Stephen's able to see beyond that. And see, actually their need is far greater than his need. Because they might live on for another 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years. But what's waiting for them after that? These people who he has said in verse 51, um, 
you always resist the Holy Spirit. They're resisting the Holy Spirit. What does that mean for them? When they stand in, in, in the judgment, they've never put their trust in Christ to take away their sin. And they're going to face judgment. And so Stephen sees that their need is actually greater for them. He's able to have, have pity, have, have mercy, have love on them because he's, he, he, he remembers the, the perspective. Whose need is greater? And undoubtedly too, he remembers his, his own Lord, his own Jesus. When Jesus is on the cross, Father, forgive them for they do not what they do. So the Spirit shows Stephen Jesus. And he realizes how much these men, even though they hate the name of Jesus, how much they need the name of Jesus. And who's holding the coats? Saul. Chapter 8, verse 1, Saul approved of their killing. And Stephen's prayer in his last moments of of, of life, it's amazing when you think about it that, that Stephen's prayer is answered. And that Saul, the one who'd order and raid churches and have Christians put to death, Stephen's prayer for Saul will be answered. And one of these men will go on to lead the church, write the majority of the the New Testament, and plant churches and see the spread of Christianity in in the known world in an amazing way. So Stephen's last breath, his prayer for these people who hate him and kill him is answered, and God answers that prayer in an amazing and powerful way. And, you know, I suppose we, we, we might think you know, stories like this in the Bible are, are great and they're nice, but they're 2,000 years ago and they're Bible people. And Bible people always seem that wee bit more removed and it's all right for, for, for them. Um, it seems a bit fantastical. That's what one commentator says. To some, this seems a bit fantastical. But he says, only because we live in the West and never see real persecution... He says, to readers in many places, Luke's single account of a martyr is far more more restrained than their normal experience. So he's saying, for us, a story like Stephen, it seems so out there and seems so radical that someone could have that faith and that courage. It almost seems too far-fetched to be true. And yet, this commentator is saying, there are people throughout history and even in parts of the world today who will read Stephen and say... Yeah, that's, that's, that's life. And that actually is a bit tame, maybe compared to what, what, what they are used to. And so persecution is, is real. It was real for Stephen, it's real today. And it might come, or maybe is coming for us, not on this level, but maybe in smaller ways. And the need to be courageous is real. But God's power to sustain is real too. God's power to give us vision of Jesus which is so big that makes our fears and makes our our persecutions or our hurt seem small and Jesus seem big that's real too and it's not a fairy tale read stories of of martyrs throughout 2000 years who have faced that moment of, of prolonging their life by denying Christ or ending their life by confessing Christ countless men and women throughout history, countless men and women today still choosing Jesus over life itself. There's a young woman called uh, Kayla Mueller. She was a 26-year-old American and she was captured by ISIS and eventually would would die in, in, in captivity. But she wrote a letter home to her parents 
She says, I've come to a place and experience where in every sense of the word, I've surrendered myself to our creator because literally there is no one else. By God and by your prayers, I have felt tenderly cradled in free fall. I have been shown in darkness light and have learned that even in prison, one can be free. I am grateful. So a 26-year-old American Western girl who endured horrible, horrible things at the hands of her, her captors. And in that darkest moment, Jesus was real to her. And in that moment of darkness, she was able to see light. So I suppose that the challenge to us is, how do we respond? What is our vision of the world? Do we get our vision of the world from the BBC and from the Guardian and from the news, whatever else? Or do we get our vision from the world, from the spirit? Do we get our vision of Jesus? Is our vision of Jesus so big that he is bigger and more important and more worthy than name-calling or, per, or even persecution itself? Do we see Jesus? We pray that the Spirit would show us Jesus so that we would trust him and that we would be able to love others even when they're hurting us. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you so much. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who is a reality in our lives. And we pray, Lord, that we wouldn't leave this place feeling small or, or, or discouraged. We pray, Lord, that we would leave encouraged by what an amazing God we have, who is powerful over, over history, powerful over every place on this earth, and powerful over us and, and those around us. And we pray that the Spirit would show us more of who Jesus is, that he is worthy. He is worthy of, of our life. He is worthy of our, our, our death. We thank you so much for Jesus. And we just pray for, for more of him. Forgive us for the times whenever we, we look to other things and other things in our life seem bigger and seem more important, seem more worthy of our, our love and joy than, than Christ. Lord, we pray that you would bring us back to him and remind us of why it is that we fell in love with him in the first place and give us fresh courage and boldness as we follow you. In Jesus' name.